The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode number 56 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. My name is Sean Rapier, and what a great show we've got ahead for you. Before we hop into this week's conversation, I want to talk about a past guest. If you go all the way back to episode 20, it was my pleasure to have Garth Smith on. Garth is such a wonderfully talented musician. He has had a fascinating life. If you want to hear about it, check out episode number 20. But Garth has been doing this thing that has so greatly enriched my Sabbath. Um, He gets on Facebook every Sunday evening and he does, uh, he calls it, Now the Day is Over. And it's just an evening, just a short uh, Sabbath de- devotional where he shares a few thoughts, plays some music, and that's on Facebook. He does it Facebook Live, and I absolutely love it. I found myself looking forward to it every time. Garth is one of those incredibly talented people, and not to mention one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. And he's using his talent to build up the kingdom. And there's something about wrapping up my Sabbath with his devotional, Now the Day is Over. And we actually, we kind of laugh because we spend all day Sunday with Garth, every Sunday. uh, Because in our home, we always have music playing on the Sabbath. And usually it's Garth Smith, nine out of ten times, because his piano music is so perfect to bring the spirit. So check it out and check out um, Now the Day is Over, his Sabbath devotionals on Facebook. Okay, this week in the conversation, my guest is Zach Cordell. Zach is such an amazing guy. He is a nutritionist. He is a dietitian. And incredibly, he'll go over his whole pedigree. He's just got an amazing education. And um, he actually is a professor. He teaches all these things. But he also runs a podcast called The Mormon Nutritionist, where he explores nutrition themes through the lens of the gospel. Or is it gospel themes through the lens of nutrition. He'll tell us all about that. And it's uh, just a great podcast that I've gotten to check out lately. So that's coming up for you. And then this week in my Latter-day Life, I'm going to tell you a little bit about thinking about questions that I highly recommend. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And today on the show, it is my privilege to have a nutritionist. We've never had a nutritionist on the show before, so I'm really excited about it. My guest is Zach Cordell. Zach, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Sean. So I'm really excited to talk to you. You are a nutritionist as well as the host of a podcast. So we're excited. Yes. We got a lot, a lot of things to talk about. I'm dying to jump into all of it, but before we do, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, where'd you grow up? Okay, so first, I guess I have to start out and say that I am a dietitian, and I'm a dietitian nutritionist, but I don't judge what everybody eats um, unless they <laughs> want me to. A lot of times, people will find out that I'm a dietitian, like, don't look at my plate, or especially like <laughs> you move into a new ward, and they're like, you're never coming to my house for dinner. <laughs> okay, uh, that works. Does but nobody want to share a table with you at the ward potluck? Well, they Is do, because they want to see what I'm eating. Oh, okay. All right, that makes sense. I get they want to. They're like, what would a what would a dietitian eat? 
That's um, so funny. But yeah, no. So what was the original question? Sorry, I just. Don't, no, that's fine. That's great. Where, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? I am from originally Greensboro, North Carolina. So it's dead center of the state. That's where I grew up. I spent uh, 18 years there. What a beautiful then, area. I mean, yeah. Greensboro is a great name for it because it is green. It really is. is. Beautiful I didn't realize there. how awesome it was until I grew up um, and left. Obviously, I think that's how it goes with everybody is I left and was like, wait a minute. There are so many things going on there that are just a great opportunity to raise a family, um, opportunities for growth. Um, it's a really happening place, I guess. you. Would yeah, say. that's really cool. So did you grow up in a member family? I did actually. Yeah. My dad and my mom are both converts. My dad baptized wow. my mom. Um, I think it was like a couple of weeks after he got baptized and it's actually a pretty cool story. So he was in training to be a Baptist preacher. He was oh, in high my. school and was like the youth minister. And it was his mom's plan that he was going to go on and be a Baptist preacher. And then the missionaries knocked on his door after he um, talked to one of his high school teachers about this Book of Mormon that she had sitting on her desk. <laughs> and uh, so he read the Book of Mormon and he thought it was boring. So then he read The Miracle of Forgiveness. And was like, oh, wow. this is actually pretty good. I like this stuff. Um, huh. So years went on. He ended up getting baptized um, once he left the house because his mom wasn't going to let him ha- let him get baptized. And then uh, my mom actually read the Book of Mormon and thought, wait a minute. So if God loved people in the past, why wouldn't he love them so much now that he would give them a prophet? Oh, and why, yeah. And why would he just send people to hell all the time if he really loves them? And so whenever she was able to, to talk with the missionaries and get those answers, she was like, this makes total sense. So, so your parents are like the dream converts. I mean, oh, this is what missionaries my parents dream were golden. of. golden. Yeah. <laughs> that is so awesome. And then you have siblings? I do. I am the middle of five. Ah, uh, yeah, the middle child. I'm the middle of four, as much as you can be in the middle of four. Yeah, um, you'll find a way. You're, you're dead in the middle of five. That's fantastic. So you so you grew up in uh, the Greensboro area, and then uh, what were you like? Were you now? Were you into nutrition as a kid, or is any are any kids into nutrition? Is that a thing? There are some kids that are into nutrition, and especially more nowadays, I feel like nutrition's becoming a little bit more trendy than it used to be. In the past, if you ate vegetables and you were a kid, it was like some miracle. Yeah. Um, but now kids are like, oh, I love jicama straws. And you're like, what's a jicama straw? <laughs> um, My kids do love jicama, by the way. They love <laughs> Yes, so, so there yeah. you go. That and hummus. Hummus was not yeah. a thing unless you were going to like the no-name health food store hidden around the corner that hadn't changed their sign in the past 20 years. Yeah, yeah. And now Disneyland offers hummus as an option. Right. It's It's crazy. Sure. So I was not one of those kids that was very much like, oh, well, I have to be healthy. Um, I was always running around and an athlete, but I never really got into nutrition until I was probably 18 or so, 17, 18. Yeah. So you were, you were an athlete. What sports were you into? I played lacrosse. I joined the swim team my senior year and of course, church ball. Yeah. <laughs> so, so lacrosse and swim team were kind of the cool kids in my high school. Oh, yeah. Because you know, it wasn't the traditional sports. So. so so my high school just got lacrosse whenever I got there. And so what they did was they just recruited all the football players, which I was not one of. Uh, they recruited all of them because they just needed people to run around and hit people. 
That's the ah. you play the cross, but okay. <laughs> So you grow up a uh, great, great upbringing. I know we were talking a little bit earlier. You served a mission. Tell us where you served. I served in the Oklahoma Tulsa mission, also known as the only true mission, which has been <laughs> abolished. Because it's only true mission because it's the OTM. Um, but now I think it's a Bentonville, Arkansas mission. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so that's, that's all part of Tulsa. That's a big area. It is a big area. It covers four states, just a little bit of Kansas, but I spent most of my time in Missouri. Or Missouri, mm-hmm. sorry, Missouri. I was about to say you're you're going to upset some people. If I you know I had to get on, back on the right track there. Yeah, yeah, and it's spread out land. So I, you know, I end up uh, I've flown into the Tulsa airport a few times, Tulsa or Oklahoma City, in order to go out to Bentonville. I'm mm-hmm. out in Bentonville quite a bit. There's a, a little company called Walmart based out of Bentonville. Oh, I think I've heard of that one. Yeah, most people have heard of it. So it actually owns the entire town there pretty much. So so that's not even a mission anymore. When was that done away with? Oh, that was it was probably three or four years ago. Hmm. Yeah. So how was your mission experience? Oh man, it was it was awesome. And I think I'll just take this minute to to say whenever somebody gets home from their mission, everybody's like, How was your mission? And you say, Oh, it was great. And you tell like the funny stories. And the funny stories are awesome because everybody can understand them, but they don't understand the stories where like you go and you teach this awesome lesson and you know, the spirit was there and the, the individual that is looking into the church knows that the spirit was there. And then you leave and you go home and there's a a message on your, your voicemail because back in my day we didn't have cell phones. And, uh, on that voicemail, it's like my pastor showed up and they said that you're Satan worshipers. Yeah. And uh, so it's like your mission is awesome, but it's so indescribable. Yeah, it's also hard. I mean, it really is. It's not easy. Yeah. At the same time, I tell people that it's the most selfishly selfless thing that I've done. Yeah, because that's a great way to put it. It has shaped everything that I've done and how I how I work. That's awesome. So you come home from your mission. Where'd you come home to? I actually came home to Greensboro. Um, and I guess I'll like throw this caveat in there too. Whenever I came home, they thought I had epilepsy. So I came home after about 17 months. Oh, and, wow. uh, so it was kind of a difficult transition because you're not supposed to have your 21st birthday as a male Mormon at home. And, not at that uh, time. Yeah. And I so mean, I that time, that. Cause you went out when you were 19. Right. Yeah. Back in my day, you know, Yeah, back in our day. <laughs> so, right. so I came home and then I was home for about a year and went back out and finished the rest of my mission. But uh, I just want to throw a bone to people that or that have had similar experiences because it's a it's a hard transition, and a lot of people you, don't understand that it's not necessarily by choice all the time. Were you having seizures while you were on your mission, or what did, what made them think that you had epilepsy? I had a seizure. They thought I had all the tests done while a missionary, so I have pictures of me with like wires taped to my head. Uh, while they're running all the different tests and everything. And my companion would take me to these these doctor's appointments. And uh, so they told me I had a seizure. They put me on a certain medication. And the first presidency said, if you're on that type of medication, you need to go home and, and get it checked out. And so yeah. I went home, got it checked out. And uh, they said, you didn't have a seizure. So to this day, I don't know what happened. But um, it'll probably come full circle into what we'll talk about later. But it was... It was uh, divine intervention that I was home at the time because there's a lot of things going on with my family that, uh, it was just really helpful for me to be there at that time. 
Did did you ever consider not going back out? I mean, was that was that on the table, or was it the entire time just yep, I'm home, and then I'm going back? <laughs> no, I was home for nine months, and then it was like, you know what, time. I should go back, and so I went back after eleven months. Yeah. And uh, whenever I left my mission, my mission president told me, "You've served a full time mission. You are fine. You don't need to worry about coming back." And so did you, I did didn't you feel plan. Like you, on it. Did, did you feel like you needed to go back, or did you just have the desire to go back? After, like at the nine month point, it was, I needed to go back. Wow. Um, not necessarily that I wanted to, because having gone on a mission, you know exactly what it is. It's not easy. Um, it's, it's great work and it's very rewarding, but it's, it's hard. And so you go out on a mission, not knowing what to expect. And then you get there and you're like, I don't really know what I expected, but, uh, I didn't expect this. And then to like know everything that goes into it and to kind of have moved on in life. I mean, after nine months, you're like ready to date, you're back in school, you're, you know, planning the rest of your future. And then to go back on a mission is difficult. It gives you quite a story. I mean, you're one of the few missionaries who can say, you know, I was in this area, I was teaching this. Then I uh, went out, did some dating, saw some movies, (laughs) hung out. Then I was in this area. If you don't connect all the dots, it's quite a story you got. (laughs) Yeah. No, I uh, actually went from my house to the airport to my mission to being a a district leader in a district that I had served as a missionary a year and a half beforehand. Awesome. So everybody was like, oh, you're about to go home. I was like, yeah, mm mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is amazing. You know, that that's a really uncommon experience. I mean, you know, you, you often hear of the missionaries who come home for a blip or they come home and they stay. But to be home that long and to go back out, I just think is awesome. What yeah. a unique experience. So you came home from your mission the second time. Yeah. Did you come back to Greensboro? Yep. Came back to Greensboro again. My parents were very much, we're going to be here and stay here. They, they tried out Zion for a little while as they referred to it. <laughs> and, uh, and then they just felt like they needed to be back around family, which was in North Carolina. Awesome. So they, that's where they were. That's great. What, what, uh, what did you do after your mission? So I went to BYU, Idaho before my mission, in between my mission and after my mission for a little while. But over those four years of going to BYU, Idaho, I really only had like four semesters there. That's a big weather shock from Greensboro. Um, uh, yeah, it's a little bit different. I remember being in Idaho and thinking, you can see the sky? This is crazy. <laughs> and I, I was playing Frisbee with my friends, and they had no idea what I was talking about. That's so funny. That's fantastic. Good experience at BYU-Idaho? I loved it. It was so good. Now, did you start studying uh, to be a dietitian and a nutritionist while you were at BYU-Idaho? Or were you just doing generals? I took my first nutrition course at BYU-Idaho and talked to the professor. And she said that they did not have a nutrition program. And I was kind of looking into like exercise science, training triathletes, doing things like that because I like riding bikes and I've done a couple of triathlons. And uh, then I thought, and this is no shade to any exercise physiologist, but I just thought I could do more good than just training triathletes. And so I I looked into nutrition and uh, there was actually a a period in time where my nutrition professor said something about people that had kidney failure and were on dialysis. And at that point, my dad had just started kidney uh, or had had kidney failure for a little while and was on dialysis. And I had no idea what it was. And she gave Mm. us the life expectancy of somebody on dialysis. And I just thought, 
you're talking about my dad. Yeah. And, and she didn't know that. And so I asked a couple of questions and then after class, she asked if I knew somebody. So that led to one thing. And the more I thought about it, I just, I loved how the, the simple things that you do in life make a big difference. And right. uh, nutrition does that. And nutrition yeah. affects everything, is affected by everything. So I just thought it was awesome. So did nutrition become a career or a passion for you? Yes. Or both? Yeah, <laughs> both. All of it. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. It became um, a passion just watching my dad go through a lot of the hard things that he had to. Yeah. Um, but then more so the whole idea that wherever you're from, how you were raised, what your food preferences are, um, all of those things influence what you eat. Yeah. And it's very regional also. You know, it's, yeah. it's interesting statistically. I mean, you have, uh, you know, between between Greensboro and then, you know, where you were in, in Missouri, Oklahoma, whatever, you know, and then now in, in Florida, which we'll get to you being in Florida, you spent a lot of time in, quote, the South. Oh, yeah. Very, very different from the West Coast <laughs> and from uh, the West. I mean, it's it's a whole different world when it comes to nutrition. So quick story. We went to, uh, is it Frontier Pies that's up, up in Rexburg? Oh, I don't know. I haven't spent a lot of time in Rexburg. I, I'm pretty sure that there is a, a restaurant called Frontier Pies. And uh, we went out to BYU-Idaho, did a tour before I even went there, sat down at Frontier Pies, and they asked what kind of vegetables I wanted. And uh, I told him I wanted – and I asked first what they had. And she's like, oh, well, we got everything. Like, <laughs> okay. I'll take some fried okra. <laughs> and, and she looked at me like, what did you just say? And my parents looked over and just started laughing. And I was like, right, what's Oprah. the issue? You don't have okra? And she's like, I don't even know what okra is. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's so funny. So, yeah, it is just, very regional. I did just look it up. It is Frontier Pies. Yeah, I, I uh, so I had a guy who worked for me uh, who was from the south, and, and uh, he came out. We were in California. He hadn't, I guess he hadn't traveled a ton. We were in California. We sat down to a restaurant and uh, he ordered a sweet tea. Mm -hmm. uh, they said, what would you like to drink? He said, I'll take a sweet tea. And they said, well, we have iced tea. And he goes, yeah, just sweet tea. And the lady was like, well, <laughs> we have iced tea, but I don't know what sweet tea is. You don't know what sweet tea is? Like he was talking about how this is the craziest thing. Well, for the next three days, as we traveled together, every restaurant, y'all got sweet tea? Uh, no, we've just got regular iced tea. <laughs> what? How can you not have sweet tea? Let me tell and you, sweet like, tea down I'm, here, man. I'm done with California. You don't I'm touch someone's back. sweet tea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, he was all about it. Down here in the South, like they don't ask if you want sweet tea or unsweet tea. Tea is sweet tea. Yeah. You and just so say there's tea. like a five pound pack bag of sugar that they put into that little like <laughs> gold container or silver container that you just drink out of. And yeah. uh, so I have my students go through and, and figure out how much sugar is in different drinks just so they can be aware of what it is that they're drinking. Yeah. And that and Chick-fil-A lemonade is everybody's favorite. Actually, it's their less favorite, like least favorite, but it's the most eye opening to them. But if you've yeah. worked in a restaurant, you know. Oh, of course. Yeah. It's not great. 
<laughs> no, really not great. So uh, you ended up graduate. Where did you Where did you graduate from with your with, with your degree, and what is your degree in? So I actually transferred back to the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. Um, Beautiful. Again, family 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 changes were going on, and um, so I was there helping out with that while everything was happening. I graduated with a degree in human nutrition and dietetics. And then I human, went human nutrition, they call it. Yeah. Human nutrition. Oh, interesting. And, okay. then, and then I did a um, master's at the university of Massachusetts in Amherst mm. in uh, community nutrition. And then I did my, my internship or residency at Yale New Haven hospital in Connecticut. Fascinating. Yeah. I mean, just fascinating. That's a lot of education. It's yeah. It's, it's a little bit, um, but that's that's what makes the difference between somebody that's just like I just like food, and somebody that's a dietitian. Right. So before we jump into, I've got tons of questions for you about uh, diet and your background and everything else. Somewhere along the way, I know you get married because I know you're a married guy. Yep. Why don't you give us uh, when when that all came together? So I actually moved back to Greensboro um, in 2010. And my wife, who had been at UNCG, University of North Carolina at Greensboro, was taking a sabbatical or hiatus out in Utah while I was in Idaho. We both moved back at the same time, became best friends, didn't like each other, um, but were best friends for about a year. And uh, then after a year, we like encouraged each other to date other people. We're like, you should try, like, you should totally date that person. They're awesome. And, uh, or you should break up with that person because they're a jerk. And then after a year, we're like, what are we doing? So we started dating and it just fit. And I was like, this is, what have I been doing this entire time? Because this is how it's supposed to be. My best friend, I already know that like we're friends. I don't have to figure out if I'm attracted to you and I like you. I already know that I like you. Perfect. Uh, So we got married in 2011, December 16th. And, um, been married ever since. (laughs) And now you got uh, two extra, two extra bodies around your house. Yeah. That seems to be how we, we go through it during my stint, um, at the university of Massachusetts, we were actually foster parents and, uh, had two girls then as well. There were three and four and, uh, they ended up getting adopted by a different family. And whenever we moved to Florida, we, um, had twin daughters that are now 11 months, year, 11, hmm. 11 months old. Awesome. Awesome. What a blessed life. So you've got this degree. Tell us what you do now full-time. What's your full-time job? I know you do a few things. Sure. So I'm actually a full-time nutrition professor at Daytona Beach, uh, or sorry, Daytona State College in Daytona yeah. Beach, Florida. Now, is that part, are you just teaching the courses or is that an actual program there? No, I'm just teaching courses. We don't have a dietetics program. Yeah. All right. So so let's jump into some of the things with you being an expert. First of all, I would love to talk a little bit about the role of um, diet and as you see it from, from a point of view of dietetics with the word of wisdom, because it, I'll tell you my opinion up front, it feels like when you ask a member of the church, hey, what uh, what is the word of wisdom? We go right to the don't smoke, don't drink, you know, uh, don't use drugs, all of that. And then it's a very, very quick, you know, be careful what you eat, be grateful for it. Right. And then if we do get to don't eat too much meat, 
it's pretty, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's pretty, it's, that's, that's a pretty rare one. And even then, what is too much meat? That's the real yeah, question. Yeah, well, and, and that's a, that's a question because it's not even too much meat. It's sparingly. Right. Uh, you know, and so anyway, I'd love to hear your take on, on the word of wisdom as it pertains to dietetics. Oh man. Okay. So. Yeah, that's a big question. Yeah, so, so I guess. I, I get it. I'm trying to think of the best way to kind of give an analogy with this is it's kind of like whenever you have that Sunday school lesson on what you can and can't do on Sunday. Mm, and yeah. and you're told that, well, you shouldn't go play sports on Sunday. But if you're with your family and you're just playing catch and it's a wholesome recreational activity, that's okay. Um, or you shouldn't go to the beach on, on the Sabbath. And so it's things like that is kind of how I look at the word of wisdom and nutrition is that everybody looks at don't do these things. Um, the, the don't smoke, don't drink, no illegal drugs. Um, and so those are the big ones, no coffee, no tea. And even that one is uh, a little bit more shady than it used to be. But those are the things that they, they look at and they don't think of taking care of our body. Um, I don't know if I'm going to make enemies right now, but monster energy drink, like that's not mentioned in the word of wisdom. (laughs) <laughs> but is it recommended? Like, is it beneficial for us to have our body function? And some people will argue yes, right? Yeah. Because otherwise I can't make the drive that I need to, to get to work, to support my family or whatever it might be. Um, but sometimes it can be a hamper. And then you get into the whole caffeine thing, which we'll, we'll leave that one alone. Um, yeah. <laughs> but there's a lot of things that people will start to focus on. And at the same time, like you mentioned before, they start to miss the mark. The whole point of the word of wisdom is to help you to be as able of a tool as you can be to Heavenly Father. Yeah. Um, yeah well, and whether it's, that's it's, impeded it's, by eating out too often or um, eating too much meat that can lead to different health um, implications or whether it's alcohol, like it's a it's a big thing to tackle. That's why I haven't really covered that in my podcast yet. I'm trying to think of what's the best way to to dissect it. It's going to have to be multiple multiple uh, episodes. Well, but it's also you know I mean there is a gospel principle to the fact that it's not judicious that man is addressed in all things. Right. Like we don't have to be there's there doesn't have to be an amendment for every little thing to know whether or not it's something that we should. Seek, and it's one of the things I love about the Word of Wisdom is, other than the absolute don'ts, it's very broad, right? You know, and, and it is something. Um, there was uh, there was a wonderful moment in one of my favorite conference moments when uh, then President Uchtdorf, Elder Uchtdorf, uh, was talking about how they were talking. Uh, it was a big subject they were trying to figure out. He said, after many late nights drinking an unnamed diet soda, <laughs> and uh, the ripple, the ripples of laugh you know, the, 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 the laughter and everything else I thought was just fantastic because sometimes I think sometimes we can get so hung up on the details that we lose sight of the bigger picture that this is a lifelong health code. Yeah, no. And that's exactly what happens is that people zone in on the one thing. And that's unfortunately what happens in nutrition all the time is they're like, well, carbs are horrible or fats horrible, or, you know, you shouldn't eat meat because meat's horrible. And it's, um, I, I was teaching in Relief Society a little, not teaching in Relief Society, but they held an event and they asked me to come and speak at it. 
And so I, I let them know that um, health and understanding health is kind of like playing a piano is that a lot of people will just play one note and, mm, and they'll only yeah. talk about carbohydrates or they'll only talk about fats or they'll only talk about plants. When in reality, you have to have all those things working together, which is what makes it work. Yeah. What are some of the common pitfalls you see people falling into? And, and are there some that are more specific to members of the church? Everybody will argue that in the church, the only vice that we have is food, which, I mean, that, that's a very overgeneralization. Everybody struggles with whatever yeah. they're going to struggle with. But food is something that everybody has to choose to have, right? And in the church, right. a lot of times there's a big family with maybe not a lot of income. And as a result, you have to go with things that are going to be cheaper. And if you're not savvy about it, it can easily just turn into, I'm just going to buy a lot of processed food, which might not be the most beneficial for my family. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a big one that people fall into. But I think the biggest one that I see is diet culture. Um, yeah. The idea that everybody needs to be losing weight. And the example is that you have your friend that says they need to lose 10 or 15 pounds and you look at them and say, from where? <laughs> but, but they just feel like they always have to be on that diet or they're on a diet yeah. for 30 days and then they come off of that diet and they gain the weight back because they couldn't keep up that juice cleanse that they were doing rather than making the right. small sustainable steps to, to health. They're like, well, I'm going to do this crash course thing. That's going to fix it all right now. And then that time period runs out. And they, they, well, and that can, that can sometimes get mixed in with business too, as somebody might be selling a shake or, you know, something else as a home business. Yeah. Yeah. It can, it can all get twisted pretty well. Um, yeah. It, see, it seems like that that's the issue, right? I mean, like the older I get, the more I see that it seems like the issue is the, you know, what diet are you on? Right. You know, now is that, so it's hard for me to ask you these questions because if, let's talk about your podcast a little bit. <laughs> you can ask podcast, whatever you want, Sean. Answer. No, the reason why it's hard for me to, to ask this is because I already know the answer because I've listened to your podcast. Okay. So this is, this is, we're, but your, your last, uh, I think it's episode three, the serpentine. What, what did you call that episode? The brazen serpent diet. The, the brazen serpent diet is such a funny, your, your analogy to Moses and it is absolutely fantastic. But tell us a little bit about your podcast. Yeah. So my podcast is the Mormon nutritionist. Um, and the whole point of it is that we all, like we've already addressed before, we all have a culture. We all have a background that influences why we do what we do and how we do it. Whether you're raised in the family that never bought Pringles. And so whenever you got old enough, you're like, I'm only eating Pringles. <laughs> or, or you grew up in the family where like soda's always there and you're like, I can't have soda, soda's horrible. And so you go the other way. Um, or you're just the meat and potatoes family and that's what you're getting, like, that's how you want to stay forever. How you're raised and the culture that you're in completely shapes how you behave. And so yeah. my podcast is, is approaching nutrition from the standpoint of a member of the church but also breaking down the science into layman's terms so that we can all understand it. Understand it. And that's layman's, not layman. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, Lay layman versus expert as opposed to layman versus lemuel. Sure, right. right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I, 
I approach it in a way where let's talk about what's really going on. And I'll even pull back and say these are some things that the food industry will do that will confuse people and will trick people into thinking that they have to do certain things in order to be healthy that really can backfire and um, really hamper someone's growth or health status. Right. It can really confuse people. And I mean, and it can very genuinely become an addiction. Right. There's, know, that's one of the, one of the things within the, the, the church's own 12 step program is very specifically, you know, it addresses multiple times uh, within the 12 step program, food addiction. Yeah. And it's, it's real. First off that, thank you for mentioning that program. It's awesome. I think that's, it's an awesome program that in the self-reliance courses that are going around, those are such good resources to members of the church and even people that aren't members of the church. There are ways that you can understand um, very temporal topics on a spiritual level. Yeah. That's, I think that's a great way to look at it. And that's try what I'm trying to do in nutrition as well. Um, is that in my podcast, I talk about different uh, general conference talks that are given, different topics that we discuss in church, and then I relate them to nutrition. Because sometimes people just think that nutrition is too foreign of a topic, or they already understand it more than everybody else, and so they don't need to listen to it. But um, putting it into terms that they understand and are familiar with is really beneficial for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, the body being a housing, I mean, it's one of the unique things and you talk about this in your podcast. I thought this was one of the takeaways I had is that I had never thought of this honestly before you talked about it, which was that so many faiths perceive the body as the enemy to spiritual progression. Yeah. Whereas when you really study uh, the gospel as the restored gospel of Jesus Christ within the, the, the bounds of the church, it's actually, it's your body that allows you to move forward. And I never thought of that, that the, the body is a, like a, a true gift, yeah. you know, that this is, that this is really what allows us to so move forward, but it's true. And, and I guess it depends on how we look at it. Yeah. It's, it's really sad whenever people hate their bodies. Um, but that's how we're trained. We're raised to, to think that we are not good enough, but if I was thin, then I would be attractive. I would be successful. I would be um, healthy, all of those things. And you think that that's going to fix all your problems. But the reality is, is that right. if you are a child of God, then your weight isn't going to stop you from being a child of God. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. And so I think yeah. that's a, another big point is that I've had like 70-year-old ladies come to me and they were surprised that I like said things like that because they had struggled with that their entire life. And they all think that it's just a young women's thing or a women's thing. <laughs> yeah. It's not an age and it's not a gender no. thing. And, and I think we've just overcomplicated, you know, we've gotten Certainly. to a point where nobody knows what to eat anymore. Well, they're all, right? they're all I mean, uh, crippled by fear. Yeah. Crippled by fear. And then also, like what do you know? What do you eat? And you've got packages that tell you, "Hey, this has protein or carbs or fiber or low cal or whatever." You know, it's it gets confusing, and you know, and you want to raise your kids the right way, but you also don't want to deprive. And there's a lot to it. And I think that your approach has been really refreshing, of just taking a step back yeah. and saying, "Look, you're you're probably not going to get it all wrong, 
but 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 it's not an extreme thing. And I really believe that if there were a gospel extreme to it, if there were a gospel, you know, cut out this completely or whatever, we'd be receiving it. Yeah. You know, I mean, there there really isn't one of the one of the interesting things, and I'd love to get your take on it. When I have studied the Word of Wisdom, one of my favorite things is um, the idea of giving thanks at all times for what we have. And you know, I've I've been blessed to travel the world a little bit, and I've been in places where people have struggled to have food. Um, you know, I I was in the airport last week, and there were there were two missionaries who were getting ready to fly out. And I was just watching them. They they got some uh, tacos and were sitting there. And before they ate, they bowed their heads. And I mean, very publicly in a packed airport, they prayed and gave thanks. And, you know, I usually will say a quick, quiet prayer in my head. Right. But do am I really grateful when I say I'm grateful? Yeah. And talk, talk your take on the power of gratitude with food. I think this is a funny one to me because whenever you're at a church function – um, or even just with your family saying a prayer before food, it's always, could you bless this food that it will strengthen and nourish our bodies? Yeah, that seems to be the rote. And thing, it's right? very much like, even if you're just eating like bacon and, and spam, you're like, bless it so it'll strengthen and nourish my body. <laughs> like, and that's fine that you, if you want to say that. Um, but I, going back to the cultural approach to food, I look at it from like the Native American standpoint. Um, a lot of times within that that culture, there is gratitude for the life that was lived in order to produce this food for you. And so you could think about it in terms of if we didn't have farmers, if we didn't have truckers, if we didn't have grocers, then we wouldn't have food. Right. right, and so we we say thank you. Please bless the hands of those who have prepared this food. But maybe we don't think of Heavenly Father has made a lot of things happen in order for me to be able to eat this one meal now, because we become more and more removed from the food that we eat. Right, you go to the grocery store and you buy a package of butter that has a drawing of a farm on it, and you think, oh, well, this must have come from a farm, <laughs> but but. <laughs> in reality, you're just thinking this came from the store, but there's a whole story that goes into how you got the food that you have. Yeah, that's an interesting, it's an interesting perspective. And maybe if we were really being thoughtful with our prayers, because, you know, I mean, well, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time in young men's, we know we're about to have donuts. Sure. And, you know, again, we, you know, we'll say, bless this food, they'll do our bodies good and that it'll strengthen and nourish us. The truth of the matter is those donuts, no prayer is going to make those strength. And <laughs> well, they'll give you calories maybe, for your body to be able to work, you know, but. Yeah, but, 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 but strengthen and nourish might be a, <laughs> a bridge too far. Sure. I mean, you know, that's, that's asking a lot. Now, maybe if it were in a time of famine and that's all we have, yeah. that might be an appropriate prayer because it's like, literally, that's all we have. Right. Gosh, I hope it'll strengthen and nourish. But, but maybe, maybe if we were to take the time to stop and think. And instead, just be, you know, we're grateful for it. Right. We're just grateful. Just thank you. Uh, yeah. You know, we're, yeah, we're just grateful that we have them because donuts taste good and it allows us to be social and to think that through. Yeah. I think that's great. Now I have, well, to, I have to address is, something you just said is yeah. that with young men, you have donuts, right? And that's yeah. another cultural thing because men, yeah. like men expect to have pizza at events and that's what it's going to be. 
Whereas with yeah. the young women, it's going to be a little bit different. Um, and actually, I was the young men's president a, a couple of years ago. And during our functions, we would have like we would have pizza because it was cheap and the boys could I mean, like it would be enough. But I would also bring a like a bushel of bananas, a, um, a bag of oranges and a bag of apples. And oh, yeah. people kind of gave me a hard time about it at first. But then all the apples and oranges and bananas were gone and people would ask if they could take them home. And uh, if you think about it, I mean, some families at church might not have had fresh fruits or vegetables for a while because things might have been a little bit tight. So the only vegetables and fruits that they get are at a, at a church event. Like, why not? No, that's great. Yeah, that is really, really cool. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting when we step outside of ourselves and take a look at these things, because culturally, you know, it's funny as a parent of um, right now, I have two young men still at home. Um, yeah. Sometimes I go, gosh, why is it every activity they're coming home saying, then we had cake, then we had cookies, <laughs> yeah. then we had donuts, you know, and then, you know, court of honor, and it's got to be the big plate of cookies and everything. Then when it's my turn to plan something, I just naturally go, yeah. oh, cookies. Yeah. There is no reason you could not put out a fruit plate, you know, and, and in fact, I think it'd be welcome, but it's just not how we think. Well, here's another easy. And I think culturally a shift is a good, is a good thing. The, the easiest one is whenever you're in ward council, they're like, we're going to have a linger longer. Who's going to bring the drinks? I always raise my hand and I was like, I got the water cover. No worries. <laughs> and, but if you think about Maybe it. 10 minutes in a picture. Yeah. Right. I mean, you have the water there. There's nothing wrong with the water. Um, but instead, somebody's like, who's going to bring the soda or the the Sprite with the sherbet mix, um, which is like the stereotypical yeah, thing. And it's like the Kool-Aid. Oh, yeah, man. the Kool-Aid. But if it wasn't there, nobody would really say anything about it. No, no one would be upset about it. But we feel like we have to, right? right. We just feel like this is what is expected. And we all don't want to be the one weird guy who says, well, why don't we have you know, why don't we have uh, veggies and some type of dip instead of the giant bowl of chips or something? Yeah. yeah, there's I think there's a lot we could I mean, there's a lot we can change. I think we're changing. I hope we are, um, you know, and, and I think it like you said, it is changing. And I, I highly recommend your podcast. I I've, I've found it really interesting. Like I said, I've been through two episodes and it's just great. If people want to find your podcast, where would they find it? They can it? find it on Stitcher. They can find it in the Google Play Music Store. They can find it on iTunes or they can find it on uh, SoundCloud. So really, basically anywhere you're looking for a podcast, you should be able to find The Mormon Nutritionist. Yeah, it's just simply called The Mormon Nutritionist. And there are a lot of podcasts with the name Mormon. Actually, ours is listed as Latter-day Lives Conversations with Mormons. Um, but if you put in Mormon nutritionist, I found it on on uh, iTunes podcast just instantly. And there's a wealth of information. And one of the things I like is you're always looking for feedback. Yeah. So if people have questions, how can they get a hold of so you? So I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Zach Cordell RDN uh, for registered dietitian nutritionist. And so, I mean, I post things there all the time about nutrition, um, post questions. But I really want, like you said, I want feedback to know what people want to know about. Um, because me giving the podcast, I can, I can talk all day about nutrition, but I want to be able to answer the questions that people have so that it's really the most beneficial. 
Well, I think your mission on this is fantastic. And it's one of the things that I love right now about this new medium, not just podcasts, but YouTube and everything else. I mean, me, my passion is people. Yeah. And so I love the podcast that I do. Your passion is nutrition and people. So you've got the podcast that you've got. Uh, you know, our friend Nick Galetti does LDS Mission Cast with a passion for missionary work. And they're, you know, pretty much whatever you're seeking. But I love this approach that you have mixed true science with true gospel. Yeah. And it really, you've given me a lot to think about through both episodes. So I think it's a fantastic work. So I appreciate you coming on and spending the time with us here. And we're going to wrap things up with the way we wrap up every episode, asking you the very simple question, what does being a member of the church mean to you, Zach Cordell? Sean, you were just like the wealth of, of deep questions. Um, and I knew this was <laughs> what was coming, and I've been thinking about it for for a while. Um and everything, it, it means everything. But yeah. at the same time, I was thinking about revelation and how as a professor, um, as a dietitian who's always looking for what is the new science saying, like what, what are we continuing to learn? I am so thankful for a gospel that allows me to continue to learn and not just be stagnant stagnant and it it encourages me to be better but also to know that I am enough right now um that's awesome. so it's yeah that's just so good well it's a message that a lot of people could use if there's one thing i think we struggle with in the church unfortunately it's feeling like we're not enough and body image and weight and health and all those things play so much into it. And I think the work you're doing is phenomenal. The podcast is The Mormon Nutritionist. Check it out. The guest has been Zach Cordell. You're a nutritionist uh, and so much more. Thank you so much, Zach, for joining us and for sharing your latter-day life with Thank us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. My special thanks to Zach Cordell. What a fascinating guy Zach is. I love the way he looks at diet and nutrition through the lens of the gospel. Just awesome. Be sure to check out the Mormon Nutritionist podcast. This week in my Latter-day Life, I had the opportunity today to do something I only get to do every couple of years. I used to get to do it every year. Now it's every couple of years. And that was I got to renew my temple recommend. I got to sit down with Ron, who's a good friend of mine and a member of our bishopric, and have him ask me all of the temple questions. And going into it, I really thought, I really thought about uh, each of the questions. And I think, I hope I always do this, but now, you know, temple recommends are only every couple of years. But I made a special concerted effort as we sat down to think about every single question and to pause before just jumping on it and saying yes. Uh, or no, <laughs> some of the questions, hopefully you're saying no or yes, but uh, the right answers anyway. I really did take the time to sit down and think it through, and uh, what an awesome time. What a great thing to be accountable. I think for some reason, accountability, there seems to be this perception that, uh, you know, if we're accountable, if the church is asking you or the church being representatives of the church are asking you questions about your personal conduct, that somehow it's prying, or I've heard people who have unfortunately left the church who feel like, oh, the church tries to get too involved in my business. 
but I absolutely love the recommend interview. I love meeting with our bishop. I love meeting with our bishopric. I love being asked and being accountable and having an opportunity to stand up and say, yes, this was uh, the first time that I, obviously the first time I've, I've had a temple recommend, recommend interview that uh, I got to say that I know that uh, President Nelson is a prophet. What a great opportunity. What a wonderful time to reaffirm my belief in tithing, my belief in the word of wisdom, in my uh, behavior toward members of my family, which all, all these things could use improvement, I'm sure, but nothing that would stop me from going into the temple. And then to be able to sign off, yes, because I strive every day to be worthy to go to the temple. And I love the temple. And I love that opportunity. And I won't have it again for a couple of years, but it sure is great. And what a great time to just sit and to ponder and to think about my relationship with my Heavenly Father. And while some think, boy, you know, I don't want to be questioned. I don't want to be asked about all these personal things. I welcome it. I love it. And I'm grateful for it. And that is what is happening this week in my Latter-day life. And thank you so much for checking in this week, every one of you. We so appreciate it as the show continues to grow. If you want to reach out to me, by the way, the way that we got Zach Cordell on the show is that he actually just sent me a message. He said, hey, I've got a podcast and I got a story to tell. I'd love to talk to you. And if you are someone, you could be a great guest for me. If you're someone who you think you should be on the show, I'm just looking for anyone with a cool story to tell, something interesting to talk about for our listeners please reach out to me. It's Sean at Latter-day Lives. That's S-H-A-W-N at LatterdayLives.com. Or you can reach me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just search for Latter-day Lives. We pop right up. And if you enjoy the show, we sure do love reviews or just share it with a friend. Share it with someone who could use some uplifting conversation because I get to meet the most fascinating members of the church. And so until next week when we will have another wonderful episode for you, Please remember, as always, there is a great big beautiful world out there, so go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>